Our lives aren't like they used to be. They're busier. Early morning Zooms, grabbing coffee to make that in-office meeting, getting to your kid's soccer game on time. Life is different, and so is advertising. To reach any audience, you need your message out there in all media, broadcast to streaming, on screens, and right to the ears of your customers. And that's what we do at Odyssey. Let's build a media campaign that targets the customers you know and want to reach more of. Right here in our community. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning to you. It's Wednesday. Okay, I just had this weird moment where I thought I'm in the twilight zone. I looked down at this computer. I'm now back to using a desktop. Don't ask. I can't explain it anyway. Uh, we were using laptops. Now I'm back to using a desktop. And apparently someone's been screwing with a clock on the desktop. Because I looked down and it says 5.07 a.m. Eastern time. And I thought, wait a minute. Did I just lose six minutes and I don't know where they went? Because if it's 5.07 and I just in my brain can't remember them, then there's something wrong. And also, what did I say for the last six minutes? <laughs> That's hysterical. So anyway, don't be looking at that clock. I don't know if the date is right either. Oh, yes, it is. You know why? Do you know why? how I know that the date is correct on this computer, Jay? Are you ready? Ready. Wednesday is November 16th. Thursday is Penny's birthday, November 17th. Big day. Tomorrow, Penny turns 13. Oh, my sweet dog. She is a hoot. The noises that older dogs make, it is amazing. Sometimes I hold the phone next to her while I'm on, I'm talking to Jay in the evenings because she falls asleep so hard that she groans, she grunts, she dreams and runs in her sleep, but mostly she snores. The dog snores like nobody's business, but every time she stands up or sits down, especially on the hardwood floors, she goes, and then, and then it's a, and then (laughs) oh my sweet dog i love her so much she i know you're not supposed to uh to wake up a sleeping dog anymore than you're supposed to wake up a sleeping baby but sometimes i can't help but i just want to hug her so on tuesday evening i was doing a yoga class in my office and the dog thinks that my yoga mat is an invitation to come lay down. It's very spongy. It's pink and purple. It's really pretty. It's got some glitter. Anyway, it's she thinks the second I put the yoga mat down that that's for her. So I put the yoga mat down. I get my computer set up because I was doing a Zoom yoga class. And I turn around and the dog has, she's, she's sprawled out on half the yoga mat. So I wait because initially we're sitting up and I don't need the whole yoga mat. And I wait until my instructor says, okay, now it's time for your downward facing dog. Time to stretch out, starting to pedal out. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to step over Penny. That's usually her, her indication that it's time to move. Here's the crazy thing. The dog gets up. She goes three steps and lays down on her bed. It's a literal downward dog. <laughs> yes. Thank you. It is. Uh, and, and poor thing. She's got, arthritis like many older dogs and older people do and so I know it hurts her I have to be very careful with her but boy she gets very happy when we go for walks when it's breakfast time the second I walk in the door this morning if she's awake she'll be staring at me with her tail wagging because she knows it's breakfast time she loves treats the dog never met a peanut butter treat that she did not like Uh, and now it's going to be her birthday on Thursday she's on 
insulin twice a day. The dog's on steroids for a chronic bronchitis. She's half deaf. She can only hear really loud noises. Thankfully, I am very loud. But it's embarrassing when I yell at her outside. The neighbors look at me like I'm the meanest dog mom on the planet. So, yeah, we're just we're chugging our way. She got to play in the sand on Saturday because I took her to the Jersey Shore. And she was out on a dog beach. So funny, you guys. Every other dog out there is tearing around because there's there's a bunch of dogs. There's like a dozen dogs out there, but most of them are young. They're chasing balls. They're going in the water. They're chasing each other. They're sniffing butts. You know, that whole thing. Penny is just, she's walking, but she's going from person to person and dog group to dog group and just making the rounds. And she was the queen. Everyone wanted to pet her. Everyone wanted to talk to her. I was the helicopter mom. Penny, 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 Penny. You're just being social. Well, I was worried because her her legs give out on her sometimes, and so I don't want her to run in the sand because it's a soft. I just worried about her. I worry about her all the time. I worry about that dog more than I worry about any human in my life. <laughs> anyway, she will be 13 on Thursday, and I'll have to share some new photos she was modeling for her mama on the beach. No, she wasn't. She hates getting her photo taken, but I managed to snap a couple of really incredible photos of her with the blue water and the waves behind her. So she loves the sand. She loves the snow. If we really, really get lucky, it'll snow on her birthday. Sand on Saturday, snow on Thursday. How about Possible. that? It's cold enough. <laughs> it is. It definitely is cold enough. And I know there are parts of the country right now that are being inundated with snow. In fact... And I just know this because I follow the Packers on Twitter. Uh, my I, my family in Wisconsin didn't give me any heads up that, that it was snowing. But there is a phenomenal video. I love it so much. For those of you who hate snow, I would, I would advise you to avoid it. But the Packers tweeted a video. It's pretty short. Swirling stadium snow. I tell you what. That's my idea of heaven. You've got a snow cover in in the uh, well in the stadium at Lambeau Field. It's beautiful. So I'll retweet it now so you can see it. They've got a game coming up Thursday night, obviously, against the Tennessee Titans that kicks off week number 11. So who knows? We could see Derrick Henry in the snow. We could see Aaron Rodgers running and sliding all over the place. It's the best. Oh, so good. I love it. So anyway, that's on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I still owe photos. I'll put Penny photos up uh, as we get to her birthday because she is the belle of the ball. She's been running my life now for almost 11 years. So I got her when she was two and a half. It's um, high maintenance. We're high maintenance, but she is totally worth all of the effort. We are live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. We have run the gamut on this show. In fact, in order to hit the quadruple fecta, <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's not a thing. <laughs> in order to hit the quadfecta. That's a thing. No, it's not. It is now. Quadfecta. Okay, it is now. In order to nail all four major team sports plus soccer, you guys, how about this? The New Jersey Devils are riding a 10-game win streak. And Alex Ovechkin is within 12 goals of 800. Only two other players in NHL history have ever had 800 goals over the course of their careers, but Alex is getting closer. Ovi's getting closer. That's what I'm going to name my next dog, Ovi. (laughs) I think it needs to be a black lab. I don't know why. Just Ovi, the black lab. Ovi, the black lab. I could see it. Yeah. I could visualize it. Jay wants me to name the dog Kyrie. And I said. I don't know about that anymore. No. Oh, you've changed your mind now? Yeah. Maybe we'll uh, skip that one. The after hours black lab. 
Ovi. Yeah. We're back to that. We'll go with Ovi. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so I just want you to know that I am keeping track of what's happening in other sports besides football. Uh, Obviously, baseball's in its hot stove. It's simmering now, but we had the managers of the year named on Wednesday, Tuesday. It's Wednesday now. Tuesday. So congratulations to Buck Showalter, Terry Francona, two old dogs that have, in fact, learned new tricks, but also provide wisdom and perspective to their young teams. The Mets... They were wandering in the wilderness before Buck Showalter got there. And it's not as though the Mets added a ton of new pieces. They did add some. But what is impressed me about Buck Showalter is that he got them to operate as a team. He he ran interference for them. He deflected a lot of the criticism. He took it on himself, but he's so even keel. He's calm. He's steady. He's stable. And over the course of a long season, that's exactly what you need. Plus... He didn't go in there with a big ego, even though he'd already won three Managers of the Year awards, including one in New York. Nah, he went in there trying to learn from this team, figure out who they are, and put them in positions to succeed. And they thrived with his leadership. Terry Francona, third Manager of the Year award in a decade. All of them with Cleveland. So in the case of Showalter, he's won four in four decades with four different teams. Oh, side note, because Jay's a Mets fan and didn't even believe this. First Mets manager ever to win this award. That is crazy. That's crazy. But his message resonated. Again, stability, stableness, that even keel approach, the perspective of this is a marathon, not a sprint, and the team responded. He's calm. He was calm, which is important. In New York especially, it's important. As for Terry Francona, third manager of the year honor, all of them with Cleveland in the last decade, which is, I think, fascinating because he won two World Series rings with the Red Sox. Anyway, he's missed time over the past several years because of his health. Um, He's compromised in a bunch of different ways, and yet it's very obvious that this young team, the Guardians, the youngest team in Major League Baseball, infused him with a new energy a new anticipation, a new enthusiasm, and joy for the daily grind. Now, he's a lifer, as is Buck Walter. They both enjoy this. They're in their 60s, as I say. And yet, he provided that same kind of steadiness and stability, not to mention the wisdom and the experience that his young guardians didn't have. But he also believed in them. And he learned from them as much as they learned from him. It doesn't matter your age. It matters how much you want to compete and, and how much you're willing to, to put a team first ahead of your own personal circumstances. And for younger guys, and we talked about this before, that are still trying to find their footing in our league, that's pretty amazing that they were able to always put our team first. And, and for that, I had a, a I, and I still will, have a tremendous amount of respect for that group. Guardians exceeded expectations, as did the Mets. Neither one of them got to the promised land, got to where they wanted to go, but both of these managers intend to return and do better, lead their teams to greater heights in 2023. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio, so hockey, uh uh-huh. Actually, Jay, I was thinking about it. As excited as we got for that iconic number 700, the home runs for Albert Pujols, and as much as we were paying attention to that and watching that in the second half of the season, As I was checking to see how close Ovechkin was getting to 800, I was thinking it's just as significant a number and an achievement. So what we've had 
four players now in the history of Major League Baseball ever hit 700 home runs. Right. We will only have three hockey players in the history of the NHL ever have 800 goals in the course of their careers. And so we need to do start to do a countdown or a count up, I guess, with Alex Ovechkin as well. So hockey and baseball and how about Luka and a little basketball? Three minutes remaining. As Luka lets the ball roll the midcourt line. Again, they trap him. Backhand pass to Powell. On the move right. Finney Smith for three. Ties it up again. And a career-high seven three-pointers for Dorian Finney-Smith. Powell the screen. Here comes the trap from Zubats. Five Powell in the middle. Wrap around. Bullock. Again. 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 He hit it again. 99-93. Right to Bullock. Put it on the floor. Back to Finney-Smith. Off his hands. Luka makes the save. With one on the clock. He hits. Oh, what a bailout by Doncic. And a timeout by Ty it looked like it was going to be a turnover. It turned into Luka Magic. This is an awesome moment. I don't know, Producer Jay, if you want to get the Mavericks Twitter and reshare it on our show Twitter after our CBS. So he happened to be right place, right time. The ball is being swung around the perimeter, but there's a trap with one of his teammates. Somehow the ball kind of gets, it squirts loose. It ends up in the hands of Luca. And what does Luca do? He fires it up with the shot clock running down. So he beats the clock in the final 30 seconds of a game that has become too close for comfort because the Mavericks had built a 25-point lead in the first three quarters, but the Clippers had come roaring back. So this clutch play by Luka, this three to beat the buzzer, it gave them a 102-98 lead. I was a bit lucky, you know. Uh, the ball find me somehow. You know, I just shot it. I knew it was two seconds on the floor, and hopefully it went in. So, I mean, it went in. So that's, a, you know, just a little bit lucky, but we'll take it. <laughs> They definitely will take it. Uh, he's not satisfied with the way that they played down the stretch, but those were the final points of his 35-point performance as they do hold off the L.A. Clippers. You hear with Chuck Cooperstein on Mavericks Radio. It's early in the season. It's great when you know you have time and you have goals in, in ways that you can improve. I think we got to learn, especially the third quarter. You know, we, we've been blowing leads. We know for that now. Uh, we got to learn how to not blow leads, you know, play the same way. But overtake is our first half. You know, they scored uh, 32 points, something like that. That was amazing, you know. That not a lot of times you see it in NBA games. So I think I'll take that one from Someone told me our record when Doe scores uh, 10 or more points is pretty impressive. So we got to put a little bit more pressure on Doe to score 10 points or more. But again, Lucas steps up and makes a big shot for us. Um, tomorrow we're going to need our bench. We can't just rely on Seawood to, to carry the bench um, with the 15 points. But the nice thing is we got a nice win at home and we got another one tomorrow. Jason Kidd, head coach of the Mavericks, on that win. He's referring to Dorian Finney-Smith, who had 21 points. But, yeah, if you if you have a first half like they had, there's generally going to be a letdown. It's the NBA. They're humans. But, man, you see a 25-point lead nearly disappear. It's almost deja vu because they had that happen to them or they allowed it to happen to them uh, a little earlier in the season. So that's your Mavericks. And for some reason, no idea why, but producer Jay tells me it's comical. We try to provide you with reasons to smile on this show. Uh, there's a reporter who needed to have Luca's opinion on social media and a major change that's happened. Do I need to set it up or does he set it up? Luca, this is a little bit off topic, but have you been paying attention to the changes that have been going on on Twitter at all? Changes? Yeah, with... <laughs> 
Elon Musk taking over? And I guess the answer is no. No, not at all. I play chess on my phone. <laughs> I play chess on my phone. Also, maybe it's just me. Maybe there are a lot of reporters asking that question, but why? And who cares? Very interesting, especially after a game like that. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I mean, he did acknowledge it was off topic. Maybe he's, this is the only thing I can think of. He must be doing a story on Twitter and how it's affecting athletes. And so he's trying to get comments from people maybe that would be high profile. And this is the way that he can do it. This is his access. So that would be my only thought is that he's actually on assignment and is looking for comments from the sports world about Elon Musk and the changes. I just know that there are a lot of people being kicked off Twitter or quitting Twitter because the numbers are dropping. If I can see it with my numbers, that means the you know major follows, celebrities, and the ones who really attract a lot of attention on Twitter, they're seeing it too. Um, that's what happens when you come in with an ax, right? You start... <laughs> I play chess on my phone. <laughs> you start tearing it up. What game do you play on your phone, Producer Jay? I don't really play many phone no. games. I actually, I would love one if anyone's got a good one because I do like having one, but I just don't really have one that I'm I play on. Wordle every morning. On your phone you play it? I do play it on my oh, phone. I didn't know they had an app. So I just I just Google Wordle and go right to nice. the, the website. I don't. There may be an app. I'm trying to think what else I play on my phone. Um, there are some other word games. My mom and I used to be religious words with friends people. Uh, we're not anymore. Most of the time, though, if I'm... On my phone, I'm listening to pod. Like, if I have time and I'm sitting around, I'm listening to a podcast or something like that. So I don't do a lot of games. They do say, though, that crossword puzzles and games with words and language that make you think. So any kind of a puzzle is really good for staving off deterioration mentally, any type of uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, that type of thing when you get older. You ever played Trivia Crack? You ever heard of that? Oh my gosh, my mom has it on her phone. <laughs> I haven't played that in a while, Trivia but I used to crack. be pretty into that. Can we do that on the plane? We can, actually. We can battle <laughs> the whole time. When we're on the way to, what is it, our month-long vacation that you're funding where we spend three days in, wait, three days in in every place? Yeah, who's a new th- place every three wait, days. Wait, hold on, though. You are allergic to planning. It makes you break out in hives. So who's going to be planning this vacation? You don't have to plan. We can go wherever we want. Just a different, just has to be somewhere new. Yeah. You must be independently wealthy. <laughs> Whoa. Do you have a passport? Of course. Wasn't it Leonard Fournette who had issues yes. getting into Germany? He did. And, and was the Giants punter? Now, he's not, an, I mean, he's, he's... He's from Scotland. Right, so he's got a visa to work here, I'm right, assuming. Right. Yeah, so that was more about him not being, uh, or being a national, not being here. But still, though, when you go out of the country, it's a little scary to have passport issues because <laughs> what if no one's vouching for you or fighting for you and they, you just get left behind? You think these guys would have that in order? It'd be the first <laughs> thing they did, like, months you ago. You would think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that it's not a mistake at the border by the agents or anything like that. I don't think so. <laughs> All right, coming up. I mean, there's, there's more. We've got football. We've got the updates on the major injuries that we've been tracking. Man, if fantasy football is any indication, every team right now is dealing with bumps and bruises and guys who are questionable or listed as day-to-day soccer too because the World Cup is on the horizon. Plus, we've also got the brand-new rankings for the college football playoff committee, the college football playoff standings. So we're going to jam it as much as we possibly can. I'm going to talk really fast. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Firing for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. 
Stands above the rest. Here is your TD of the week. The Minnesota Vikings. Josh Allen puts Gabe Davis in motion. And Davis is behind Allen. And he tried to push him. He didn't get out of there. He didn't get out. He did not get out. That's the safety. Give it to us. Give us the safety. Look at what's taking so long. Oh, no. Ball came he out. Down. Yeah, drop that ball, Josh Allen. That ball Going up against a team like that, uh, us not getting that that goal line touchdown and uh, fumbling in, in the end zone, it's, it was so crazy. Uh, it, it felt like it was unreal. It felt like a movie. <laughs> Justin Jefferson's perspective. Yeah, nobody expected Josh Allen to fumble the exchange with his center on the half-yard line and Eric Hendricks to recover it for an unlikely touchdown seconds after the Vikings had been stuffed at the goal line, and it appeared as though the Bills would have an opportunity to run out the clock if they could just create some space. Not that kind of space. Paul Allen and Pete Bursich on Vikings Radio. And if you missed it, last hour, Paul Allen right here on CBS Sports Radio. Those pipes, I'm telling you, he was amazing. He even sang. But we talked about Kirk Cousins and how his personality is coming out in a different way with this team. We talked about Justin Jefferson, his incredible talent. We also talked about Kevin O'Connell and why it's working, as well as the emotional swings in the booth over the course of that Bills Vikings ending. So thank you for voting for our TD of the week. We had some technical difficulties with the first poll we put up, but between Twitter and Facebook, it's very clear that you believe that fumble recovered for the TD, the go ahead TD in the last two minutes of the Vikings Bills game in Orchard Park was your choice. Crazy enough though, it wasn't actually the game winner because the the Bills went down the field and in five plays set up the tying field goal to shove it into overtime. I think it was just the shock value of it all, which was was pretty uh, astounding. And so that's a moment, I think, that would right away catapult that game into the category of, of potential game of the year. You know, we love hyperbole. But also, it made that game exceed the hype. Because of that, the, the twists and turns at the end were so unbelievable. It would have been good if the game had ended with the goal line stand, but it didn't. And we were taken on this wild ride from that point. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Now on into overtime, of course, we saw the Vikings take the three-point lead. And then it was time for the Bills to possess the football. And it wasn't once but twice that Patrick Peterson was able to intercept Josh Allen on in the end zone on the goal line. He was a guest on CBS Sports HQ yesterday. Listen to this. He said he literally memorized Buffalo's playbook, which put him in position to grab that pick off Josh Allen with the game on the line. I can show you my notes. Routes that gave Davis run. Post, dig, slant occasionally. If, he's, if it's two by two, open set. And he'll, he'll give you a glance right if he's that X receiver uh, in a cut split with the running back, you know, to his side. Does that 
only apply in the field or does that apply in that the red zone as well? Everywhere. That applies everywhere. everywhere. And okay. Buffalo big concept in the red zone is laser, meaning <clears throat> the number two receiver is like a clear out guy. He's basically running to the opposite pylon. Mm-hmm. And that uh the number two, the number one receiver behind him, because he's the clear out guy, is running a dig. That's basically the concept they ran for me to pick that off. And they also like to run. A double Dino, which is a double post. Double post, is. red zone beater. That's a red zone yeah. beater. That's a quarter beater, and that's what mm-hmm. we was in. Everybody loves to run that. That's that's those guys' two main concepts. And with me going back to my film study, me being on Gabe Davis at the time, like, all right, man, this guy here, he's an inside breaking receiver. He showed me that all game. He didn't give me nothing else all game, like we talked about. He showed me something on tape. And, he, and, it, and it validated itself in, 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 in the game. I was like, oh, yeah, it's crunch time. If he run this route, I'm going to go pick this ball up. <laughs> that is amazing. First of all, Patrick Peterson is a veteran, right? His second year with the Vikings, but uh, for years he was with the Cardinals. He's got, I think it's 32 career interceptions now. Uh, no big thing with him. But those two were so... They were, they were so crunch time. They were so clutch. Uh, and for him to be the one on the receiving end and then to give us a peek behind his preparation curtain and to let us know that he prepped for this and he knew exactly what to look for, that type of scientific approach and cerebral approach floats my boat. I'm a total nerd. And to hear Patrick Peterson on CBS Sports Q, uh, HQ, sorry, talk about his preparation and how he could spot it when it was playing out. I'm going to go pick this ball up. Oh, phenomenal. Absolutely cool. So if you missed my conversation with Paul Allen or you want to see more of Patrick Peterson, that's all this stuff you can find on our website. Specifically, though, for us, After Hours, AmyLawrence.com, uh, to access our podcast and all of our interviews are shared separately. That includes Stephen Goff from Qatar or Qatar. I now I'm waffling back and forth. It's it's just it's not a good place to be. I don't like waffling and riding the fence, straddling the fence. It's just not it's not a comfortable spot. So what should we do? <laughs> I'm still torn on this one. I want to go with Qatar, and then everyone keeps saying Qatar, and I'm told it's Qatar, and like, but then I hear official people say Qatar. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? Can we just pick one? <laughs> It's like that whole credit card thing back in the day when it's either like swipe or insert. And it's like, well, let's just pick one. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, We've touched a nerve with producer Jay. Swipe or insert. Just pick one. I just want to get it right. I just want to get it right. (laughs) All right. I guess we would defy the bosses, though, except they don't really listen. So what's the difference? Okay, that game between the the Bills and the Vikings went into overtime. It was incredible. I still don't believe the number of twists and turns and shocking moments, even though I watched it. The Packers hosting the Cowboys also had some twists and turns. And Aaron Rodgers, he says, they're back, baby. We've been dealing with a lot of frustration. And obviously, I'm sure there's been a ton of criticism outside the locker room. And some guys probably read that and take it to heart maybe more than other guys. He loves to swear. It's nice to quiet that down a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, For us, it's just a confidence builder. You know, that we're not out of this thing. This thing is not over. We're not scheduling our off-season plans yet. We've got a short week now against another good opponent. But we got it at home. National TV, primetime. We've got a great opportunity to take another step in the right direction. The NFC, pretty wide open, I'd say. We just got to get ourselves back in the conversation. And uh, uh, Sunday night was the first step in the right direction. 
That's Aaron Rodgers with his weekly appearance on Pat McAfee. I would say he loves to swear on McAfee where anything goes, but you know what? He was cussing his coach out on the sidelines at the end of regulation. Uh, Of course that. He doesn't give two bleeps. Remember he told us that too. Uh, He was upset about the fact they weren't running the ball and running the clock out, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, so they end up winning. They come back from 14 points down in the fourth quarter. They win in overtime. Uh, As for the individual performances, Christian Watson, that breakout game against the Cowboys, also his third TD, part of our TD of the week category. But in case you weren't watching or you don't remember, C.D. Lamb had 11 catches for 150 yards and two TDs. And this bodes well for the Cowboys and Jerry Jones raving about him on Tuesday on our Dallas affiliate 105.3 The Fan. C.D. Lamb, for instance, had the best game that I've ever seen him play. And so for the Cowboys. And uh, so, uh, uh, and man, is that encouraging to see him playing at that particular level. Uh, he, he uh, uh, except for the connection on uh, those two interceptions, um, except for that, CD, uh, CD played the best I've ever seen him play, or I don't know that anybody can play better. Sometimes I don't know how the NFL does this, how the matchups that we get from week to week blend and meld storylines as though the, they're picking their opponents based on what we saw on the field last week. Like, as in the schedule is... It's changed based on the matchups we saw last week. Guess who the Cowboys play this week? <laughs> Would you like me to tell you? Me the know. Minnesota Vikings. So they're on the road in Green Bay, and then they're on the road in Minnesota against an 8-1 and one Vikings team that just went into Orchard Park and won. Now the Cowboys, after having lost in Green Bay and coughing up a late lead, they have to take on the toughest team, one of the toughest teams in the entire NFL. There are only two teams that have eight wins. It's the Eagles and it's the Vikings. And that's what the Cowboys have next. So I appreciate the optimism of Jerry Jones. He says it bodes well for the team that CeeDee Lamb is performing like he is. That's the best game he ever saw him play. And I would agree with that, except it doesn't get any easier for the Cowboys. And they now have to go into Minnesota. The uh, Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan, our Dallas affiliate with Sean and RJ, um, the the jo- the Jones family, they're still talking about Odell Beckham Jr. They're still looking at whether or not they could sign him and bring him into the fold. So that's fascinating. I think that the tougher rebound, though, is for Mike McCarthy because he really took last week's loss hard, and he was still wearing it when he spoke to the media on Monday. Oh, tough. Yeah, tough. Yeah, you guys ain't getting me. I ain't slept. I'm irritated. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm very disappointed. The game was very personal. I'm a huge fan of Mike McCarthy. I know not everybody is. I am. Uh, and so I, you could see it. It was on his face from the very beginning. The, the desire to win that game and have a little validation. Cowboys still have a far better record. They're in a much better division. I think they're, they have higher hopes. But, man, they do not want to lose two in a row to the NFC North on the, on the road, too. That's that's. A, what is the NFL doing? They just come up with some of the toughest schedules. Running the gauntlet, these Cowboys. All right. On Twitter, A-Law Radio. On our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Coming up, a little bit from 
Qatar. <laughs> From Qatar to the commander's locker room. I mean, don't tell us we don't cover everything in the world of sports plus dead rabbits. You're just going to have to get the podcast. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Shotgun snap, the left tackle block, a crumbling pocket. He's running to the numbers. Now he goes to a knee and goes down to the 38. And he goes down, he was hit, and there's a flag. And that may be on Philadelphia for a hit on a quarterback who is down. That's what the flag is thrown as Heineke was scrambling and running, then finally hit the deck but went to a knee, meaning he was down, and a flag was thrown and a hit after the whistle had sounded. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Kevin Harlan on Westwood One. We haven't had him on the show yet this season. It might be time for another conversation with Kev. He is the best. The Commanders turned out to get the upper hand against the Philadelphia Eagles with the perfectly executed plan. Uh, They obviously were able to control the ball, control the game, and hand their division rival loss number one. You hear the final, well, not the final call, but Brandon Graham with the roughing the passer penalty after Taylor Heineke had sacrificed himself. Not one knee, but two knees down is what Ron Rivera said. He put one knee down, then he put the other knee down. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. CBS Sports Radio really capped what was a stunning weekend in the NFL. It just gets bigger and better and more compelling. And inside the locker room with the commanders, moments after that win. By now, maybe you've seen the video. If you haven't, uh, Producer Jay, if you want to put it up on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS, it's powerful. Not because it's about a win over an undefeated team, but because it's a group of men who are dedicated to their coach, who are dedicated to one another, and who recognize that there are emotions that are bigger than football. Yeah, football rallies them and puts them in the same place at the same time, but their head coach, Ron Rivera, who is a cancer survivor since he took the job in Washington, just lost his mom, and this was the first game of his life that she did not see. And so he attempted to speak. You'll kind of hear a pause there. He was able to get a few words out. And then he turned and he left and he went back to his office because he was not going to be able to hold it together. And into that void, Terry McLaurin. My mother would have been prepped. Yes, you can see how much that means to him. It means a lot to everybody in this locker room, bro. We set the tone. We took it to them. We all got from no fun. We set the tone, man. We set the tone. Offense, defense, special teams. We come to practice. We practice hard. We take it to people. We be opportunistic. And we gonna win games, bro. We're going to go on the road again. We're going to try to get this done. Bring this shit in, bro. Yeah. 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 
two, three. It gives you chills, doesn't it? Inside the commander's locker room on Monday night, an emotional Ron Rivera who couldn't get the words out beyond my mother would have been proud. He was too choked up to speak after that. And so he turned and he walked out. And Terry McLaurin rallied the guys inside the locker room. It's very obvious. And I've heard it many times. I get chills. That team not only loves their coach, but they take their cue from him. He inspires them. He's a leader. He's disciplined. He's a teacher of men in addition to being a football coach. He's a man of high character and class and grace. And he faces every challenge with the same tenacity and toughness and humility. And again, that inspires and brings a team together. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. There's a lot of other football stuff that's the technical term, that we will get to as we head through the next couple of days, of course, because we are on the eve of week 11 in the NFL and days away from Thanksgiving. In fact, as I leave work this morning, I'm headed straight to the grocery store because I don't want to deal with all the Thanksgiving craziness uh, and not get my shopping done ahead of time. Plus, the shelves are likely to be emptier. Something that we're not used to having around the holidays, certainly not around Thanksgiving, is World Cup soccer. But in, hold on, Qatar. (laughs) That's it. I'm going to say it like that. I'm just, I'm going to do what, the majority is doing. Now, generally, you know that when the mob is going one way, I break out in hives and I have to go the other direction. But in this case, I'm going to go with Qatar. Okay? Can we agree? I don't know. Oh, heavens. Are you going to derail my attempts to put this to bed? No, it's fine. All right, we'll just pick one. We'll stick with it. I picked one. I probably would have went with Qatar, but... Why? I don't know. I just feel like that sounds like... A little more fancy. Or like uh, Jay forever is going with his gut instinct, and sometimes his gut is just flat out wrong. Yeah. His gut also tells him to never eat vegetables, which is not a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, it proves how wrong it is most of the time. I'm going to go with Qatar. Apparently, right. uh, I mean, this is a call. I've never flown Qatar Airlines, but a colleague of ours said that that's what they use, so maybe we should use that. I don't love it, but Does I'll that accept could- it. You will? You'll accept it? Yeah. Good to hear. Okay, so we're going to have the World Cup over the course of Thanksgiving. In fact, the the first match for the U.S. men's national team comes up Monday against Wales. This is unbelievable. It's here. I'm so excited. And I'm not being facetious. I'm being serious. I cannot wait to see Team USA. It's been eight freaking years since this team was on the World Cup stage. And I know they're the youngest team in the field. I know that... Group stage essentially would be considered a win. I just want to see them play to the point where I have delayed plans on Thanksgiving weekend because they take on England, who is clearly the big bad in their group. They take on England. I almost said our group. They take on England coming up the day after Thanksgiving. I am parked in front of the TV. I'm I'm not moving. Sean Johnson, his goalie, he says so far what they've seen in Qatar has been amazing. So far, my experience has been uh, the facilities are fantastic. You know, uh, first few days here, uh, the field's great. Um, obviously, having everything in one place, um, you know, having you know a top-class gym to, to prepare as well. Um, my first experience uh, wouldn't be able to compare it to other World Cups, obviously, but this uh, so far um, has, has impressed me in terms of um, the setup and this player is giving us the best uh, best environment to, to really prepare properly um, heading into Wales. 
only one guy on this roster has any World Cup experience. That's what happens when you miss a World Cup. Anyway, Sean Johnson's not one of them, right? They've got one guy who's had experience, and they've got a team that average age is roughly 25, so very young, but manager Greg Berhalter believes that this team is ready for the stage. We can say anything we want. I can give them any type of experience that I've had, but I know this group, and they're not really going to know until the whistle blows against Wales, and that's going to be part of it. Um, you know, we're, we're sticking to the values of who we are in the t- as a team, what we want to accomplish in this tournament, and, and then we, um, we get ready to go. We know that World Cup games are highly competitive. We know that winning World Cup games are very difficult. And, um, you know, that's going to set the stage for how we compete in this tournament. People send me all types of gifts and memes of snoring, sleeping, rolling their eyes, as if somehow that's going to deter me or dampen my enthusiasm. It is the only sporting event. It's the only team. Yes, the sporting event. It's obviously the biggest, the biggest stage, the grandest sporting event on the international, uh, the international market. It's so much grander than what we can even envision here. Every country lives for this. To be able to make it, not to make it, I mean, whatever. The U.S. men's national team, our national teams, we can all get behind. We are so divided when it comes to sports and pretty much everything else in this country. But we, we, I can actually say we. I don't say we about anybody else. We can support the USA. (gasps) Have a great hump day. It's After Hours CBS Sports Radio. Boom!